Got it. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hello, after like a very long, long, long pause, but you know, um, happy new year, happy new year, happy new month. Um, once again, this is voiced out thoughts by Basola, and today we're joined by one of our special regulars, one of our most loved regulars, and also some of you know he's my uncle. And um, do you want to introduce yourself? I feel like if you're a regular listener on the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, um, today we are with the one and only. Reintroduce myself. My name <laughs> is Coyote Atobatele. So glad to be back this year, 2024. 2024. Where... Yeah, where it looks like uh it looks like the uh the thing out there in social media is this is the year that you know go grief for anybody. <laughs> well <laughs> I no grief yeah. for anyone. <laughs> so so two things about that, right? I saw that the other day on somebody I follow on Instagram. I saw it on that post. Yeah. And and I was like, how did this become an anthem or thing? Like how are we just I thought the whole thing about New Year resolution was going into the year like calm, peaceful. So what's up with the whole this I year? I don't know where it comes from, but that's the thing about things that go viral. Somebody probably started it somewhere. Some other person picked it up. Some other person liked it. And before you know it, everybody's like, all the memes are like, no, no greed for anyone. <laughs> so if, you, if you're if you not a Nigerian and you don't know what we're talking about, um, there's this post that went viral a few days online, and which essentially means that the motto for this year is um this year we're not having it like if somebody comes to you with violence we're responding with violence if somebody's um, nasty to you you're responding with nastiness so and it's just quite shocking right because every year at the start of every year everyone is always like you know I'm going to be nicer I'm going to be positive I'm going to do more exercise but this year people just went straight into violence <laughs> I well, saw that at the same time, no grief for anyone could also mean that basically tit for tat. It could also mean it could also mean also you, you could use it positively, like basically if somebody has always oppressed you, like no, this is the time I'm going to respond. If somebody has bullied you, no grief for anyone is like, all right, I'm not taking it. I am going to speak up. So yeah, it has some yeah. positives too. Yeah, you know, funny enough, I think not sure if it was last year or the year before. One of my motto was reciprocity, right? So, like, this is me perhaps oversharing, but I kind of realized that I was the one that was constantly reaching out to certain people in my life, and I would always be the one like, how are you doing? How's it going? And I just told myself, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> like, if you're not reaching out to me, bye, Felicia. I'm not reaching out to you. <laughs> None of my business. I'll give you maybe one, two, three attempts. But after that, forget <laughs> We are now. Richard, the whole the rest of social media is behind you because your own no grief was last year. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, I'm not having it. And don't get me wrong, right? Because I know there's always, there's going to be somebody out there saying, you know, that's not fair. People are busy. People have things going on, and people have families and all that jazz. That's not what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> talking... how you hear the voices in your head. <laughs> yes, that's how I listen to them. Like people, because I've I've spoken about this in person with certain people, and they're like, "Oh, you know, that's not fair. People have things going on. Mm -mm. We all have things going on." <laughs> so, 
we all have things going on and like listen i'm not the most busiest person on the surface of the earth but you might have had things going on too Maybe i have a shitload of things going Maybe on that's and why you, you know that the, you're in the state of mind of i know go grief for anybody i know go grief yes i know go grief and yeah but i i kind of i love it but i'm just like whoa i didn't see that coming the whole um no we're not grief. having it this year so um guys if you're listening reach out to your friends reach out to your loved ones if i'm your friend and you're not reaching out to me then you have a problem <laughs> i don't have a problem brother that's why they haven't heard from you <laughs> <laughs> exactly 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 and okay this is me venting like this was not what i was thinking about talking about today but it just came out like that if you don't reach out in a very long time don't just call me and start thinking to update you in my life status no we're not doing that <laughs> We are not doing that. I'm so sorry. We are not doing that. Like this is not, this is not a bank account that you just go and refresh to see all your bank transactions. Like we're not doing that. Depends. Not everybody. So the yeah. thing is, there are a lot of people that when they finally get to call, and they are trying to like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not spend this valuable time. Yeah, for time loss. Let's quickly catch up. How are you? How's everything? What's going on with you? Yeah 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 definitely i mean uh, there are situations and situations right like some people are unreached and um they have things going on and i kind of get it in certain situations but other situations i'm just like mm -hmm. 15 <laughs> posts on instagram a day but you still don't have time mm -hmm. <laughs> priorities priorities exactly um so Today, we wanted to talk about something interesting, right? Because we were kind of having a conversation offline um, about, so as many of you know, I am Nigerian-born. Um, my co-host today is also Nigerian-born. And um, so we were talking about there's somebody in our family, a new dynamic. And I was asking him, how do you want me to refer to this person, right? Um, because normally in Nigeria, when you are referring to somebody older than you, you kind of have to like, especially in the Yoruba culture, right? You kind of have to like reference the elderliness of that person um, by stating, by saying auntie or uncle, right? So there's a lot of nuances to this, right? Because normally when you use that term, you use it for somebody that in actuality or the way I understood it, right? right? is you use it for somebody that in actuality is old enough to be your uncle mm -hmm. and your auntie, right? So let's say someone is 30, let's say I'm 30, right? And somebody is um, 35, I would not reference that person as auntie and uncle, but let's say there's somebody that is 30 and another person that is 50, of course I'm going to use the term um, auntie or uncle, right? Mm -hmm. So I was asking you, I was like, should I use auntie for this person? Or should I just call this person by her name? Who's right? about the same age with you? Yes. Around the same age, same, same age group. Yeah. Yes. And you said, oh, call her by her name. And I was like, okay. And I said, the reason I'm asking is because I had a similar situation whereby somebody um, I knew, you know, got married. She's in her 30s. She got married to somebody also in his mid, um, late 30s, early 40s. And she insisted that I couldn't call this person by his name, that I had to call him Uncle X, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm not having it. <laughs> I think that's a whole lot of bullshit. <laughs> yes. 
you know, and um, the reason I understand the, you know, I, I respect, so, and if you're Nigerian and if you're Yoruba and you're listening to this, this is not me like disregarding the culture and not like wanting to give, you know, not wanting to address the respect of the whole culture thing. But at the same time, I have a problem with it, right? Because I kind of, I kind of see that something that people used to undermine other people or kind of like create unnecessary hierarchy. What do you think? So uh, the thing is that uh, when, for Yoruba culture, uh, respect is built in to even the words that we use. So, and but I find that in learning other languages, even learning a little bit of French, that there are certain words are used for people uh, that you that used to show respect, right? Which is uh, when you're talking to somebody uh, that is older or in authority. Uh, so I I don't know about other I don't know about all languages, but I have noticed that culturally you find them in uh, different uh, ways, yeah, built into the language. And so Yoruba is not Yoruba is not the exception in this case. And the thing about the Yoruba culture is that it is built in, and it makes life easy, right? Is now when we talk about the hierarchy <clears throat> of who should call anyone or who shall use the uh the the respectful terms in actual fact the way yoruba culture is it's it's dependent on the when you enter the family so what that means is that in most uh homes or uh way before where there was a lot of polygamy where there was uh polygamous homes there's still more there's still some till date but the way it works is that Whichever day you are married into the house or into the family is your seniority. So it doesn't matter if you are much older than the first wife in age. If you are the last person to come in the door, like that you are the most recently married wife into that home, you will refer to the senior wife with all the respect terms. So yeah. it's not really... The respect is not based off of age only. It is also based off of status. So within a family, the status has higher priority to the age. Also, if a child was born in that house before you were married into that house, you are to refer to that child with the respectful terms because that child came into the family before you. So okay. that's, that's actually how... That's how the Yoruba culture does this. You know, you were explaining this to me the other day, yeah. and I was I was quite shocked because that's the theory you explained, right? But in practicality, right, yeah. a lot of um, respect is high reference to age. So there's a lot of this person is, you know, old enough to be your auntie, your parent. No, that's the second. That's the second. So status comes first within families or within organizations. Then when you meet people on the streets, it is age that now comes to play because they are, you know, if you meet somebody else, friends or uh, friends or families, it depends on how you meet them also. For example, the, um, for example, the parents of your friends become your parents too. You call yeah. them what your friend calls them. Yes. Yes. Right. So yes. if your friend is saying mommy, daddy, then when you get there, you're like mommy, daddy. Also, you don't start saying in Yoruba culture, you don't start saying eh, mama, Tommy. 
if, 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 for example, Tommy is your age mate, yeah. other people might refer to Tommy's mother as Mama Tommy. Okay. You, if you say Mama Tommy, it's disrespectful. It's funny you bring that up because, yes. I, you, yeah, now that you mention it, it does make sense. But at the same time, yeah. yeah, but I, at the same time, I don't recall like using that term growing up. I would think I would always say like auntie, uncle. Yes. So maybe that's every, like the westernization of the respect. Yes, exactly. Thing. Exactly. So everybody older is auntie. Everybody, your mommy's, your mom's friends, your dad's friends, well, they will all be aunties and uncles. Yeah. That's that's actually not only a Yoruba culture thing. Like when I look at the, uh, I think when I observe Indians, they also have many aunties. Uh, I think it's a. I don't say aunties a lot. I don't actually hear them saying uncles, but I know I hear them well, saying. No shade, but maybe the uncles are never around. Okay, well, so but I don't, I don't. Uh, when I think about it, I don't hear them say uncles, but I know I hear them. Everybody looks like yeah, there's an auntie. So this this yeah. respect thing is even within the English uh, society. Uh, that's the reason why you have titles like Mister, Miss, uh, Mrs. Uh, you know, you have all these titles, all the way to having Lord and and all those things. But it's still part of respect. It's to a master, <laughs> right? They oh, wouldn't have master, right? You yeah. right? So this is not just a Yoruba thing. It's actually how the culture is built. It's just that in the and in in Yoruba land, like I said, it's not the exception. So there's like uh, you call everybody auntie, but honestly speaking, the way I look at it is that I have never seen anyone lose out on the fact that they are referring to everybody as auntie and uncle. You know, one thing I wish, I wish we could find a midpoint between showing that seniority and respect to elders and also like not creating bloodline and blood lines between um, who is family and who is not family, right? Because I feel like a lot of abuse has been, has happened all in the name of auntie and uncle. So, and we hear the stories growing up like, oh, this person is your auntie and uncle, so that because it's not just calling them auntie and uncle, right? It's the privilege that comes to, with calling them auntie and uncle. It's yeah. what you, you allow as a result of referring to them as auntie and uncle. And yeah. in an ideal world, there is no problem with that. But in reality, is that and historically, we can see that a lot of people have abused their place of privilege, and and you know, this is going to go a little bit deep, but it might be from a space of like psychological abuse or physical abuse or just being a bully and yeah. we've seen that a lot so that is why I haven't I haven't equal with this whole auntie and uncle thing because I feel like I want to show respect but I don't want you call call you my auntie and uncle if you're not in my family realm does that make sense yeah so but then the thing is that if you compared the rate of this uh abuse that you say occurs right in that society where we have a lot of respect and you compare it with a society like the western world where there is no respect you know i'm not sure that it has reduced in the western world so culture is definitely not what is not the reason the culture with the respect is not the reason why abusers exist in a society they oh, exist no, no, everywhere no. and they will use anything including religion to get yeah victims yeah so okay let me, let me clarify that i'm not saying that um anti the terminology anti-uncle 
has consequently created abuse. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like one of the trigger points that allow that allows abuse to continue existing yeah. is the over enduring of this whole auntie and uncle thing. That's what I'm trying to say. Like how but do over I over enduring of religion too, where some oh, yeah. oh, yeah. God yeah. Or of God also is so there's always an uh, or in the western world being a boss right being the person who determines if you are able to work or not yeah the positions of authority are always like a footstool for for that to occur so it will even if you scrapped it completely in the yoruba culture there will be other uh, avenues in which such people will try to attack their victim so I don't, Definitely. I don't think. I think the key thing about that is that um, a uh, a child must be educated. That the same way you are told you must call this person uncle, you must call this person auntie. That same child must also be taught that that does not underscore the fact that they will ask you to do something that you feel uncomfortable about and that you will not rebel and report. So yeah. that's that's what needs to be part of that education. We call everybody uncle and auntie. We respect everybody, but at the same time, you must also teach that uh, if there is disrespect in terms of if that uh, title you have uh, accorded someone is not being respected, then you have a right to 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 shut down actions that you feel are wrong. I, I understand where you're coming from, but and I and I see That's it to a certain degree. Yeah. But I think like a big part of our upbringing in the African communities has to do with there's a lot of emphasis on respecting elders yes. and not confronting elders, and that is highly linked to all this auntie and uncle thing. Like, yes. let's be let's be straightforward about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, someone is pressing my bell. Just give me a second. Right. You're a guy now would have been like, are you sure it's not your child? Yeah, he was like, hey, and he had a child. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what was I saying? Like, we're not brought up to, like, question elders. Like, mm -hmm. there's this kind of unspoken rule, like, you do not question elders. That's just the yeah. truth. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in so many shapes and form. Like, in African communities, I've never seen a situation whereby an adult, an elderly person is moving mad. And somebody younger like questions in them and say, "Hey, like this is not right." Yeah. Like we just kind of like we roll with it, we deal with it, and we just don't say anything. And that's a reality. Well, so the thing, the thing about culture that I think people usually forget is that it was it was put together by the society, and it was to deal with the society at that point in time. What people always forget about it is that it is subject to change, whether you like it or not. So it needs to evolve, but it does. I do not think that in the evolution of it that it should be scrapped. It's the reason why right now Nigeria doesn't have a real identity because it was taken away from us when the system was imposed upon us. And that's the system of the colonialist. I still okay. don't know why we call them that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they came and invaded us and built a system around that invasion and forced and forced my father to be educated and, and that education was passed down. But let's not even let's that's not, a, yeah, that's another let's not go on a tangent, right? Uh, but the key thing there is that 
that there is a there is a culture that comes from the society and what should happen is that with new knowledge with new understanding that that culture needs to actually be adjusted and modified so for example the respect part of culture is good it makes the society work better yeah the fact that one person seems to have all the powers and cannot be questioned needs to be modified yeah. right and so yeah. that's the thing this is where i think i feel the balance should be the fact that the respect should remain but then everyone should know that they are subject to uh they're subject to uh, uh feedback maybe not feedback is it but that they do not have all the powers they actually think they have you know, I read a book years ago, and I'm trying to remember the author of the book. The book is called The Culture Map mm. by Erin Mayer. It talks about, like, um, how it's it's more like a business book. But, you know, one thing I like about the book, it talks about how, like, hierarchy creates different dynamics between different, you know, organizational culture, right? And it talks about how in cultures whereby it's highly hierarchied, especially, like, Nigeria, you know, some um, Asian communities versus, yeah. let's say, Nordic countries, right? Um, people are more prone to question authorities when things are not done well and, like, ask for change versus in cultures like the Nigerian culture whereby you can't really question authorities and you just have to do, like, the whole yes, my, yes, sir thing. Yeah. And, like, the more organizational failures as a result of not, you know, being able to question authorities. And I feel like respect is good but respect in this way that we're talking about it also leads to hierarchy and the more hierarchy the more the more the status quo is like you know it's is marginalized from the reality of the of the organization or of the country right yeah you know? and if you look at it it is so i think i remember i'm not the book but i remember somebody talk about this and that there were more uh airline accidents in like somewhere like asia japan china and when the when this uh person who was talking about this story uh looked into why they found out that the co-pilot does not have enough because of culture is not able to question sometimes when yeah. when captain is making a decision because yeah. it's not, it's been like a seniority thing the hierarchy thing yeah. but uh, so again, like I said, the adjustment was, you know, the fact that they had to bring down, tone down that whole hierarchy thing and allow questions to occur. But what what the the core of it, as I say, is that we don't. I do not think that we need to abandon it and then just follow some other person's system. I think that the society needs to first. I think the key thing for culture generally is the to be able to allow culture to evolve rather than exactly it, it feels it has to be forced but in reality it shouldn't be forced there should be part of the culture should now be built in the the factor of change yeah. right that we should always be able to sit down and redefine some fundamentals that have changed for example in the uh eastern part of nigeria southeast uh there used to be the killing of twins yeah goodness do you want to explain that further for people that are not yes. nigerian uh, let, let, so i can explain that just give me a minute yes so i, I was saying that the uh uh they were in the southeast part of nigeria 
there was a time where the culture felt that twins were a bad omen. And so they will kill twins. If anyone delivered twins, they'll basically feel, you know, something was basically wrong and the twins will be killed. Until, again, somebody came, but somebody from outside of there came to that area and actively uh, put a stop to it, which means the culture changed. That's really what happened. The culture changed. So there's evolution that has occurred everywhere in the world with people. There was a time it was okay to have slaves. Yeah. Right? And basically now... There is an organ, there's a world organization that goes against any of those things now, right? So culture should always change. So, uh, and so when it comes to the Yoruba, uh, when it comes to the Yoruba culture, I, I love it a lot because it actually helps to resolve a lot of things, but things like absolute power uh, appearing to be on one side without the, that power being checked can be changed when you bring up kids you have to i will tell my kids you should respect everybody because nobody has but then you also have to know what is right and what is wrong so when somebody is crossing the boundary whether they be in authority in school or at work you must know how to address it it's part of the training that they have to have I, I was reading something as you're talking, there's so many things popping up in my brain. Like the police like, brutality is oh, oh, yeah, that's another one. About, right. That's another so one. I want my kids to answer the police, yes, sir, yes, ma. But I want them to know when the when that particular police officer is going beyond what the law allows them. It's knowledge. You have to have you have to understand what your rights are under the law. You also have to understand what your rights are under that culture. So if I give you an example, I once asked an older uncle, much older uncle, why why his sister, who was older than him, will insult him and every other person. And we're talking about people who are much, you know, much, much older, like our parents' generation. And he told me something which I considered profound at that point in time, uh, which basically I now realize, oh, my goodness, even under this mess that I can see, I actually had rights. And what he told me without realizing is that he said, his answer to me when I asked him, why can't she do that and nobody challenges her? He said, it is her privilege. We've talked about this. Um, yes. You cited it as an example before. Yeah. And yeah. I I fundamentally d- disagree with that. No, and no. I'm saying that. But the culture allows it to be her privilege. Now, what he did not know, he told me indirectly also was that it is also my privilege to show up in the place where the person will have access to insult me. Yeah. Essentially, right? it takes two to tango. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. I have to be there for me to feel insulted. Otherwise, I won't even hear of it. And so yeah. from then on, I realized that I can choose who I go to visit and who I go and make myself available to. Yeah. Right. So within that culture... I also have rights and I exercised it and there was peace. Yeah, you're very right. I had a situation years ago whereby somebody, you know, close to me, one of his aunties also, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would just call her from time to time to say hi. And the first question would always be, when are you getting married? Ah! Getting married? And I was just like, I remember one day she called me on my birthday and she was like, when are you getting married? And I just said to myself and I said, you know what? I'm calling you out of respect because I want to honor you and I want to have a relationship with you. But if 
if you're, I'm sorry to say, I'm, and I might be rude, but if your two brain cells are not allowing you to further pass that conversation of when are you getting married, then you're never going to receive a call from me. And that's it. And I just, just <laughs> close that up. Yeah, that's it. Done and dusted. Like, so that's the thing. You know, unfortunately, that works both well and it doesn't work well because there are a lot of uh, people now who made a choice, for example, of getting married and they know they knew from the onset that they were settling for somebody they should not be entangled with, but because of the pressure, gotcha. they did it. And so they went in right from the word go, basically full of regrets. And, you know, it's like you, it's already broken from the beginning. So it's rickety and easily you, know, you mentioned something about culture being a reflection of our current state of things. Yeah. And I think that is something that when I... Well, it happens everywhere, but specifically in the Nigerian Yoruba culture, like there's a lot of um, rejection towards adaptation, right? Like there's a lot of this is how we used to do things back in the day, and we have to stick to it, you know. Yeah. And there is no, there is no constant ev um, evaluation of okay, now this is where we are, and this is how we're supposed to do things. So let's keep it that way. Let's like reevaluate. And I think this has a lot to do with african culture black culture as a whole like we do not document things and as a result of lack of documentation it's very hard to like reinforce new ways and new patterns does that make sense yes you know we regarding do our issue document but we don't document the way it is done in the west well it's we document verbally and you know anything uh -huh. documented verbally is as bad it's as good as not documenting anything yeah. sorry to say yeah yeah so that's the thing so that is the with the updated knowledge, right, that we have, it's, I feel that this is what we should now start introducing, that we should have some document that captures all this, that we can say, this is the culture has captured, you know, at this time, so that now we have something to start off from. We have actually something to even call national yeah. conferences on when i say national i'm saying oh, they talk of yoruba the yoruba yeah. um what do you call it is it the yoruba not yoruba community it's not the yoruba war world uh yoruba nation i think yeah. I'm, right so so if they will capture all this like the volumes then they can now start to have a national yoruba nation cultural uh, updating or adjustment conference. You know what thing that you just reminded me of? I, you know, you, you mentioned Yoruba, and I know you're talking about Yoruba from the Nigerian perspective, but yes, yes. there are Yorubas outside Nigeria. Yes, I mean, came, they came from that... They came from the Yoruba land. Yes, I was in... I was in Yoruba nation. There's the, they are in Brazil, in Cuba. Exactly. I was they have kept to... the traditions. Now, that culture that you think is a problem is what has kept them alive and yeah. kept them to have an identity they can relate to yeah no no. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no no i don't, I don't think they're about culture is a problem don't get me wrong i think there's certain things that need to be changed but one thing i was going to mention is like even as Nigerians, like we do not know that Yoruba culture goes beyond Nigeria like there's a lot of lack of knowledge regarding that and so many things that the new age um, Nigerian Yoruba people like will kind of frown upon is highly embraced by so yeah. many other um, Yoruba nations across the world. I mean, when I was in Brazil last year, I was highly fascinated by 
how much they you know they use like Yoruba words into their culture like they had souvenirs that would say like this souvenir is from Oshun this souvenir is from Orumila this souvenir is from Songo like and they you know they branded it well and even restaurants they had menus on the on the um they had food that were called Dundu they had restaurants named after like Yoruba god's name and I was just like I was like whoa and they knew so much about the culture versus even your average Nigerian that they might not be able to, you know, explain Well, this understand that we were invaded, right? So what does that, what are you trying to say with that? It means that when we were invaded, right, and how it has always happened all over the world, whoever has the weapons of mass destruction Yeah. dominates the world. Okay. That's always been. When the, whoever, the people who discovered gunpowder first, basically used it to come and take over the rest of the world, you know, created guns and then got on boats and then started going up till now, you went on vacation somewhere in North Africa and Oh, found yeah. that it is, it is Spanish, Spanish, uh, uh, territory, right. Or Yeah, that's, Spain. that's very, How did that happen? What I, happened yeah. to the boy on that land? Right now you can't find them. Yeah, Or sorry. that's a corner. Yeah. Go on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to like, that, that really, that really shook me when I sent you that message, because as a black person, like when you travel around the world, I mean, we all, you know, I've read history book, I know about slavery, I know about, you know, so many things, but it's so wild when you go into certain parts of the world and you see, I remember in 2018 being in Madeira, Madeira is a tiny Portuguese island and it's in Africa and it's but it, be, it belongs to Portugal and apparently like I did a tour to explain the issue about you know fishery and, and also slavery came into it and they said that Madeira was where they used to stop anytime they would bring slaves from Africa and the bad slaves so let's say the sick one the one that you know they were lame the one that got blind the one that got deaf they would dump them on the island or even the men right because they majorly wanted women Yeah. they would dump them on that island and the rest of them they will continue shipping them to like other to spain right and one thing that fascinated me about this island is you don't see black people there there is i, I could not count up to five black people on this island and i Yeah. know it sounds like something that Yeah. is not Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that made me honestly that really got me emotional like how do you how do you tell me a story about And the person who even narrated the story, like, he, I guess he has, I don't know, he's really into history, but that story he told me, perhaps it was not even, like, the official story of that tour. It was because I later went to have a drink with this person, and he, you know, later on started narrating on other part of the history. And it just shook to me, like, how is that possible that there were Black people on this island before, and now they're, they, And they've all disappeared? yeah. So, uh, so basically, without us going into very depressing past Yes. uh, about the history of the world, right? You probably your guesses are as good as mine. What happened to them? And still, like if you go all the way to South America, Argentina, Oh. for example, has no black people. Oh yeah. Have you ever wondered what happened to their <laughs> oh black no. people? Yeah, Because they no. had, right? They had black people, but what happens to their black people? Your your Yeah. guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So what I'm just trying to say is that in all these other places that we want to compare with, they've had dark, dark histories. Right. Yeah. So uh, in our own case, we just have a culture doesn't change much. We need to make it better.
Oh, I don't think that we should throw it away. I No, don't. no, no. I think basically we should start recording it. We should act, first of all, what one thing we need to build into it is that it is subject to change, right? Yeah. How Definitely. they change it, that can be an agreement uh, when they come together to say, all right, you know, from now on, this is what the culture is, so that when we talk about this culture, that our kids can refer to the culture and say the document says. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because that's what now makes it, you know, more binding, more uh, quotable. Right. This culture, when we follow this culture, this is what it says. Those people you see in Brazil and all those other places maintain the culture. So they still maintain their gods, Yeah. maintain, you know, just this, just, just. And that's the reason why they still exist. If they had thrown that away, you will not have known them. True, So true. somehow it was so. strong a culture that they could not wipe it from the minds of the people That's true. That's right a very and good that point. is one of the data points that lets me know that there was a lot of technology that the invaders came and first of all tried to wipe away so what you see now in nigeria right with the Yeah. way they do things and what you see with the people who held the culture intact that difference is what the system that was Yeah. put Place in Nigeria actually tried to wipe. What name one thing you like about the Nigerian Yoruba culture and one thing you would like to see change in twenty twenty four? What I love about the Yoruba culture is our dressing for, Oh wow. uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, the Ashoke, the Agbada. It's, and it, the, the thing, the interesting thing about it is that it, somehow we, we did not give that up, no matter how much they tried. So much so now that it is the West that wants to dress like our women. They want to wear our head ties. They want to, right? That's something we kind of kept. We did not give it up, right? That For that, I am always very grateful. I'm always very proud when I see those things done. Then we instead, what we've done is that we've taken uh, more, we've taken into designing it to be better, to look, you know, so that always makes me really excited. Our food, for example, We never gave that up either, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even kids that have never been to Nigeria, they taste that food and they love it. There are TikTok videos about uh, going to Nigerian restaurants and trying Nigerian food, Yeah. right? Um, so you see those things, in actual fact, whatever we keep, in fact, the music, the whole taking Oh, goodness. of our music, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed that if they sing a song, And they put some Yoruba in it. They don't take it like to Europe and start changing it. They sing it with the Yoruba in there. And the people learn it like that and enjoy it. So the more authentic we are, the more actually accepting that we, we find ourselves, you know, uh, in, in the committee of nations. You know, I used to I used to cringe and some people will listen to this and they'll be like, what's she talking about? Like the whole wedding culture and Ashwabi thing. For a very long time, I used to cringe about it. And the reason I cringed was because I felt like the way I understood it from social media was I felt like people were just doing it for the photo, but they didn't really understand the history behind why it's done, you know, and the storyline. So I'm I'm very, very into do what you have to do, but make sure you understand where it's coming from and what that means, right? Um, I think now I'm starting to appreciate it more. But at the same time, if it's something like if I'm ever like 
engage in with I would like to learn more about it because I just don't want to do something because it's cool or you know it's trendy everyone is doing it now for the photo the post I really want to understand the culture behind it right and what I'm doing and because a lot of these things are also like very spiritual right and sometimes we just do it vainly without knowing the consequences of of what we're doing and then that's the other interesting thing you see um it's interesting that when it comes to our culture that part of the what the system has built in is that in our culture uh somehow we are linked to evil spirits right but in the western culture nobody ever brings up the fact that their culture including the kill you know and if they have all these weird cultures nobody ever nobody associates that with with oh be careful it's uh spiritual you might contact something of the spirit to me yeah, well, that is the effect of the system that was put in to make yeah. everything about my great grandfather evil yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I see evidence of technology. Like nobody has been able to explain to me how my great great grandfathers were able to extract the cotton with which they made that ashoki. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody has been able to tell me how they did it. They but instead, what the books, those who recorded history say is they tried to make it look like all these people were crude until somebody came on a boat and showed us how to survive in a place where we were already surviving. Somebody came on a boat, missed his way, got to the river Niger and said he 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 discovered the <laughs> river Niger. Right. I'm always I'm always saying that there's so many ways to learn culture. You can learn it from the colonial perspective, African culture or Nigerian culture to be precise. Or you can even learn it from the um you know, the actual culture, right? Even I was looking at something the other day on on, on Instagram. And they're talking about Yoruba hairstyles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of this so-called local hairstyles, you know, yes. not fashionable. Yeah. There's actually, they're actually very, very protective hairstyles. And they help, like, your hair grow better than this new age, West yeah. End um, exactly. hairstyles, you know. And you think about it, and you're like, why were these hairstyles chosen? They were because, like, I'm not talking about, the, I'm talking about the old traditional, like, Koruba but they wore like hairstyles, like they were very, very protective hairstyles. And if you go back to photos of women from that age, they had really long hair and they had very good hair, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. Because see, that's the thing that the, the just like right now, women are interested in their hair. It's the same with the African woman, mm. right? So they had styles for their hair. They understood their hair. They, they learned about it. They actually had, uh, they had herbs that it will apply to yeah. it, yeah, right? That that again is I, I I I'm looking for somebody who will tell me they introduced that technology because I don't see it in yeah. the West. But I know that if you go and you say you have something, there's you know we had our own pharmacies, we had our own you know herbs, we had our own we had our own creams. But so how did they know what to select and how did they know how to put it together? It means that there was technology. There was technology behind had, it. Yeah. Right. But the, and, and so that's why I keep saying that the system that was put in place was put in place to discredit us. Why would I not participate in my culture? Why is it that I should be careful? Otherwise I'll contact spirits. Yet yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll contact the wrong spirits. Yet you come and make me do a whole lot of things right, in the name of religion, and that's not contacting the wrong spirit. Why? Because it came from... E.G. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween, exactly. 
Yeah, ex exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so right? funny. What is what? What is so? What what part of the culture would you like to see change? Uh, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean no, no. I mean the African Nigerian so we, culture. Well, so if we look at it. What needs to change is the fact that we're resistant to change. Hmm. You right, and then and because we're resistant to change, we're not able to evolve. And so what happens is that people will drop it fully, right? What what should have happened is that we should learn uh, uh, from other cultures what is yeah. good, and then we should apply it to making ours better. So name one thing that you're like, this thing, yeah. I need to see it change. Um, Let me see. For Like the pressure we put the, our women under. Gosh, I was going to say the same thing. You took it away from me. Yeah. So the pressure we put our women under is it makes them make the wrong choices. The pressure that we put the men under. One thing I would like to see change is like I would like for us to be able to be able to accept that we are who we are. So mistakes is considered a negative in our culture. Yeah. Right. So that we spend a lot of resources trying to cover up our mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are not allowed to know that you are going through stuff. Yeah. It's considered bad. Yeah. Gosh, you're, sure. you're literally seeing, you're saying everything I'm thinking about. Like, right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's considered bad for you to show that you're going through stuff, that you're going through hard times, that you're, you're supposed to pretend like it's all good. So you keep hiding. And it's hiding. a culture that encourages vulnerability. That's what I would say. Yes. yes so that's... what I would like to see change is to embrace the vulnerability yeah right? i would i would like to see exactly what you said about women i would like to see a culture that embraces what a woman's value is based on outside of marriage um like you know i would like to see a culture that embraces oh you know she's doing four or five businesses or she's the leader of this um community and she's done this she's mm -hmm. helped people build this businesses and all that mm -hmm. um and I, on, on the other side of it, I would also like to see the whole concept of masculinity being redefined and that that not being subjected only to how much you can provide for your family. You know, mm. it's I would also like to see like, you know, African Nigerian men be vulnerable, you know, just mm. being able to talk about and maybe this is not necessarily a Nigerian thing. It's all over the place. Like yeah. being able to be vulnerable, being able to like speak their mind. And women are bashing them also from being vulnerable. So that I would like to see. And in that I'd same like, line... I'd like to see polygamy come back. Oh, my goodness. Are we going to that? Yeah, yeah. No, you said what I want to see. I would like to see that. I would like to see it embraced like it should be. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, But does it go both ways or is it only one way? Like, do you want to see women being married to two, three men? That would be, that's usually considered what they call that. They, uh, we never had that. We didn't have that. Uh, okay. So you don't want to see that one. Okay. Uh, what's it called? It's, um, there's Poly a name for something. it. Poly Polyandry. 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 Yeah. We, we, we uh, historically didn't have that in, in our, well, no, actually, you know, it is even, it is possible because of the many cultures. That's, that's actually a lie, yeah? They do exactly. have polyandry in Nigeria. They do? Which part, which part has that? I feel like, I feel like maybe the, I could be making this up, but maybe the <laughs> exactly. northern part. So, so here's it, without, without offending some part, right, if it existed, we didn't get to know about it. 
So again, let's now bring it to the Yoruba nation, which we maybe have more understanding of. And in the Yoruba nation, we didn't have polyandry. At least I don't know about it. I stand to be corrected. However, polygamy, right, solved a lot of issues and would have solved more that we face now. Right. I don't yeah. care. If, if we're going to allow polygamy, we also have to allow polyandry. Well, so that was not part of the culture. So when you said... We can, we can bring it in. We can, you know, make it be part of the new yeah, culture. That, that actually, yeah, yeah, no. That's So I'm not against... You see, that's I'm not against um the attempt to, to try things. But what I also know that in the time of polygamy, right? And this is not very long ago, so I'm talking my grandfather's... Uh, um, generation. I also know that a woman, <laughs> a, a woman could change husbands easily. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. they change husbands easily, they, which means that they had a lot of choice on who, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so even though it looks as if, oh, when you look at them, they look all old. When you look at, when you listen to the history, you will basically start to realize, wait, 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 wait. Did you say she was married to somebody else, and then? Yeah. He came to, and they used to say something like, um, right? Which means, which means translated means that somebody took somebody else's wife, which yeah. means they make it look like the woman didn't know what she was doing and someone just came and took her away from there. But it tells me that a woman will change and decide she's leaving this person and she's marrying somebody else. Yeah. So, was I think I think if they allow that, if they allow all that part that back, that polygamy actually will first of all, it's reduce all those, oh, you have a side chick stuff. A man will marry because they still you see the thing, the polygamy, <laughs> you only stopped it on the outward. On the outside, on the side. You never left the minds, you never left the minds of the people. You just made it illegal because you brought a system and enforced and forced it on people. The the woman at home knows that her husband, when he goes out, is going to a side chick. They call yeah. it side chick now. The side chick knew that this guy was married before she decided she was going to be a tent with him. So now everybody is in that hiding mode. You are allowed to be shown. You are not allowed to be shown. You are only to be seen, but you take most of the resources. I mean, why? Well, I would say that... And now I'm trying not... to navigate their way within a system that was imposed on them. by And they I... had no contribution to that system that was imposed on them. I don't think that would solve the issue because I think, and this is another podcast, but I would just say that I, don't, I think the whole thing about polygamy is because it's not... At the end of the day, it's also a way of exerting power, right? So it's, it's, it's a power play thing for exactly so many power. people. Where on which on who's um or the man wanting to exert power, right? Because one thing I say is like people are very prone among people, you to say let's go into polygamy back, but people are frowned upon polyandry because uh, you know we didn't used to do that, so we're not interested. Oh, what I'm trying to say when I say polyandry, right? That's why I gave you the example that women, even within that polygamy, where you think that the man has a lot of power, a woman will decide that she's leaving and she'll go join herself to somebody who is who's better yeah i mean there's this movie on netflix i don't know i think you've watched it because you recommended it to me it's called anikulakbo mm -hmm. yeah you know, she left she left a, a whole king yeah she yeah. left a whole king exactly and she followed how should we call the tailor right is it a tailor right yeah, well she followed the guy who basically made her happy yeah and yeah. that is not unusual 
that's yeah. it. So, so when yeah. you see people look at police, you know, again, um, I'll say Western educated, you know, Nigerian ladies now, we look at it and think that it was all like a the demand. No, it's the you know the feminist movement who think that no, these women had power to choose. Yeah. And if the guy messed up, they will choose somebody else. <laughs> you know, I was so yeah, when you're thinking polyandry, it's not like they did not have rights. You, you are saying polyandry because they are thinking, oh, they should also have the rights of choice. They do. They do, yeah. <laughs> and I was I was reading an article like few years ago or months ago talking about how we can't really import um, European or Western feminism to Nigeria or Africa because the dynamic is totally different and it's this whole thing about women not woman. having choice it's not a Western thing yeah the women in, with the women I know and I grew up with were very powerful at no point in time did I see my grandmother's generation or my great-grandmother's generation powerless yeah no that's true same. Right? Same. In fact, if anything, if anything, yes. Speaking about the same thing. <laughs> if anything else, they control. Like yeah. uh, you know, so I was talking to I was talking to uh your aunt, your aunt, who is Why my not? Don't, huh? don't, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, no, let's okay. no, no, I, I was talking to your aunt, who is my cousin. Okay. And, and she was just making a reference to the business that she does, which is clothing. Selling, yeah. Selling yeah. Clothing. And she actually pointed out to me that she's fourth generation. Of clothing. Yeah. Yes. Fourth generation. Her, her mom, her grandmother, right? And her great-grandmother actually sold, you know, this whole yeah. textile, right? So you understand how, I don't know how powerful a culture will be where you can have four generations down past this uh you know knowledge yeah. and also to be able to evolve over time right to actually yeah. be modern enough to mm. continue that lineage yeah. so there's a lot that we don't document is really the the that's being that's the thing that needs to change in our culture we don't document and that's because we did not know the read and write so they had they had that they had that upper hand on us we we had to pass it down but there's also in Cross River, so that will be southeast, that same area, interestingly, where killing of twins was uh, was okay before. Yeah. They had something called insigidi. Insigidi. Yes, which is like a sign. They call it, it's like a sign language, which to me looks like it was writing of their time. However, not everyone was, uh, you had to be elite to know about it and to be able to interpret the signs, which means that they had a, you know, a small sect of people who were the elitists who knew about it. Is that is that something regarding how they wanted to be communicate, uh, how they wanted to communicate without allowing like outsiders to know about what they were talking about? So yes, all that yes. stuff. They asked her, uh, there's one of those, when I was reading through, so said, a white man came and asked, what is this? Who taught you this? Because they felt that the Africans are too crude. And their answer to the person who basically wrote all these things down and came and brought that British people is that they told him that it's the baboons that taught them. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote that down. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you can imagine that if that truly happened, how they were looking at the guy who was asking that, oh, you really think we're stupid? Yeah, baboons taught us. 
אני מבין בזקינות הדעה, אני סטיפוס בטוס דאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונדאונד
it's that's yeah that's what they say it's for when you have on on you know the those two is all part of oh uh, so that you be protected and all that so those small ones in there some people have if i now i now that you say that i remember some people used to have on the chest you have yes i've seen the chest one yeah like and that's used with you know very sharp but not it's yeah not um, it's that's not a tribal that's not that's for all those spiritual prayer thing They have it on the chest. And then I've seen somebody have all on his stomach. Oh, shit. Yeah. I've seen that. The whole stomach is just, you know, like, matched like that. Like, like, um, what do you call this? They draw those lines with the, with the sharp objects throughout the... So they cut him like that. And it's healed, right? These things happen when people are uh, very, very young. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it was part of the way... So you see, the thing is, you have to understand that it was the way... The that the, the the science of the time, the technology of the time, along was built around spirituality, right? Yeah. Now, again, what I keep saying is that we did not need to throw everything away. We just needed to evolve it. If something is not working anymore, it's not working yeah. anymore. Now, within the West, you do realize that treating mental health at a point in time used to be sometimes to cut them and bleed them out. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, there's a movie about that. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so uh, it, uh, this, this, uh, what, what you now think is like, oh my goodness, that's so crude. Did not happen. Crude is not a Yoruba word. There right? was a movie years ago regarding how they treated people that had mental health issues, yeah. or even when they were trying to convert people that are you know, homosexuals. Mm -hmm. And this movie was based on a so-called Nordic doctor and uh -huh. reference the Nordic because it's supposed to be like the most advanced culture. And they used to electrocute them, right? Right. Yeah, so that's that. how they thought they could cure this thing. So it's not only the experimentation of what will stick did not start with us. We also had it. We just have not uh we've not actively embraced the fact that evolution requires that you continually change. Yeah. And I think that's why I said that's what I would like to see. If we did that, it will, it will. If we officially recognize it as accepted, then we will probably move faster. So, for example, music now is a fusion of how people grow up. In actual fact, they they sing the way we speak. You 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 start with English. You put in some Yoruba words. You come back up English. You've gone into broken English. You come yeah. back. You've gone into some Yoruba, right? And we're communicating. And if somebody was trying to follow, they would be like, that wasn't all Yoruba. Neither was it all yeah. English. Neither was it all the broken, uh, the pigeon. We always call the pigeon English. But I have to say, nothing hits as good as a good old Fuji music. If you guys <laughs> exactly. don't know Fuji music, like, yeah, yeah. So there's if you Fuji haven't listened to, like, Sunny Ade or, like... Or even um, Adewali Ayuba is still very, very... Uh, Adewali Ayuba is still very, very relevant now. In fact... Or Ebenezer Obey. Well, Ebenezer Obey is not... I love those music. Like, sometimes, like... Yeah, that, there's this song I love that says... <laughs> There's nothing better than listening to that music with a glass of wine. That's it for me. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's yeah. how you convince yourself that it's okay to finish the bottle of wine. <laughs> no, well, actually, I don't finish it. What, what is the translation of Majayorimi mi omeyola? Well, Majayorimi is just essentially like should I say YOLO? Like, you only live once. Like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this life to its fullest, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if we do that directly, actually, if we translate almost, you know, it's basically, my jayorini uh, is the way you can say, 
I am going to enjoy my life. Yeah. Right. And the reason is mio meola, which means I don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah. I right? started listening to that song a lot during COVID because yeah. literally we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, people were dropping dead left, right, and center. And I just like I, you know, stumbled on that song once again during COVID. And that was my everyday motto. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the thing, you know, that's just the I think that's the important thing, right? That you, you have to it's it at the end of the day is one life to live, you know, that's it, right? And so that's why we need to make sure that we allow uh people to be happy. Yeah, well right? yeah, yeah, we allow people to be happy and 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 that in our culture was not usually in the Yoruba culture. Uh, has been deprioritized so it was society was more important than the individual and you know uh but now you see there's got to be uh, a sweet spot there is yeah, now because if the individual becomes more important than the society that we, would be a problem then mental health enters the chat <laughs> which is currently happening yeah, yeah. No, one no. thing I love about Yoruba culture, and I have to say, I've not seen any other culture in the world that matches up to it, is our level of hospitality. Like, hospitality is really, really ingrained in us. Yeah. Like, the whole hospitality as in someone coming to visit you in your home, and hospitality as in the way you, like, you, you, you welcome somebody, like, you know, like, you know, the how what's the word I'm looking for? You know how, for example, help me out here. Like, let's say you come and visit me. I would just say, ah, my one and only uncle, you know, yeah. like the best, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, There's always a room. There's always room to accommodate the person, right? That's the way we are. It doesn't matter how small the place is, how inconvenient it will be. If you have one meal, you share it with your your guests, right? Yeah. That's the hospitality, which interestingly, we, we used to actually not like. I, I, yes. I, I think... there. And then we come to all this Western world and realize that, oh my goodness, loneliness kills people because yes. we don't actually, they, because it's not part of their culture here. Yeah. Hospitality. And I think, as you said, like, I didn't used to value it, but after when you exist in spaces whereby that's not a thing, you see how fast that, you know, creates mental illness, yeah. how that creates loneliness. And, in the Nigerian community, that just doesn't happen. I would say yeah. the Yoruba Nigerian community. The only culture I would say that similarly resembles that, that I've seen is in second place is the Brazilian culture. Yeah. And after that, perhaps the Spanish culture. But well, Yoruba culture... The Brazilians probably because... They, they have a lot of African influence. But it's very, very welcoming. Like, when you... And even I always say this thing about, let's say you have a friend group, right? And you're introducing somebody, you have a new friend and you're introducing that new friend into the community of your existing friend. There's a lot of, you know, you hype the person for your community, for the existing community, like, yeah. ah, that's my friend. You know, yeah. she's just, she did this, she did that. She's into swimming. You know, she does, um, she sews Asher B. She does the best hairstyles, you know, and, by the time that person enters your existing community, that person is very, very welcome, yeah. you know, and your existing community, they embrace that person 
as much as you embrace them. So much so that if somebody from that existing community was to throw another party in a few days, they would immediately invite that person like, ah, call this your friend. You know, they become friends. And there's there's no fight for ownership. But in Western culture, there's a lot of, I have a community of friends. I invite somebody into that community of friends. But that new friend cannot have a direct relationship with existing friends. It's a whole messed up shenanigan. Like ownership. Yes, there's a lot of ownership. Like, you know, she can't be your friend because she's my friend. Maybe own people in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness, I have a friend. Their DNA to own people. (laughs) I have a friend. She listens to this podcast. That's exactly why. That is actually why they, they 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 went and introduced monogamy, destroyed their own, and then brought it and said, hey, you guys are too happy here. How can you all be living together in harmony? No, that's not how life should be lived. We live it our way. Let every, let's all be miserable. I don't see you dropping this monogamy thing. Oh, no, I'm not dropping it. <laughs> you are not dropping it. It has made a lot of people who would have been happy unhappy. You know what? I, well... I don't, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I get what no, you're trying to say, but I also don't get it because exactly, I don't know if it works. No, no. So for example, let me use you as an example. You might see somebody that is like, this person is amazing. Yeah. Okay. But suddenly the person is not, is no longer approachable because, because the person has been taken by one person who saw the goodness <laughs> just like you did and other people did. And, and there's the possibility that that person has the ability to be a hundred percent present for for, me. for, yeah. for multiple people. You know, one thing I one one of my one of the reasons I don't like um, polygamy, right? Because I think in an ideal world whereby everyone is matured, everybody knows you know how to relate and says their exact mind, and you know the the clear expectation, it should work, right? But the reality of it all is there's a lot of ownership mindset. This ownership thing we're talking about has yes, been yes. transported into like the African community. Yes, yes. And the well, guy you know, might have good intentions, but you don't know the intention of the other woman. Yeah, but you know how he worked in the past? That ownership became a family ownership. You understand? Okay. So what I mean by that is that all so when when even within that polygamy, right? So I'll give you a story of my own grandfather. Who is who happens to be your great grandfather, right? He did. He went to Ogumosho, right, for business and did something that upset the wives. Guess what the wives did? Yeah. They basically got up, left him on Ogumosho, and they moved back to Elisha, where they came from. So you're saying that as a team, as so a team, they basically were upset with him and they left him there in Ogumosho, and they moved back to to Elisha to go and live in the house, the family house in Elisha. So what I'm trying to say is that the once the person is married into the family, the family becomes bigger. Now, I, I, the responsibility of the man who is doing this to blend the family. I don't think, I don't think, and even I don't think emotionally we're matured enough to like entertain like proper polygamy, which are we, with like are we are we are we emotionally mature enough to do this? Poly, uh, monogamy when it, why not whenever emotionally even simple friendship, friendship. <laughs> the problem all right so no. about, how about they leave us where we are eh? let us try and be evolving as and not introduce more problems that made life worse i i personally 
I, I can see how it could work for certain people, but I'm not part of that realm of, you know, I'm yes. not, I'm not and, in that group. Of... And let me also state for those who are listening that polygamy was not enforced. There were some people in that generation that had one and only one uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, spouse throughout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you could handle more, you were allowed to handle more. And if you couldn't handle more, you just basically, if one was enough for you, that was fine. This is the thing. We were, we had more freedom. You see, and then it was taken away from us by who? By somebody who thinks that we don't have the maturity to handle it. Which, okay. which, which the same, the same group of people today are now saying there is polygamy, there is, there is trio, there is open this, open yes. that, yes. open yeah. left, open right. Yes. Yeah. How, yeah. How is that? How that? How is the open relationship different from the polygamy that we had? <laughs> it's not. In fact, I feel like it's more risky because. Because oh, there was exactly. a, there was a whole exactly. if you're in a polygamy there was like a cult, like societal and community respect like yes. people know who you are yes but, so where which family you're coming from right exactly this whole open close thing like yeah. the risque is really risque <laughs> yeah did you Honestly, yeah I'm not benefits I yeah I well so. That's another topic because I feel like there's so many things that has to do with it. But um, yeah, for me, I would just like the whole like hospitality thing. It's something I really, really appreciate. Um, And I like I like also how despite not being physically in the same space, I feel like the Yoruba culture kind of like teaches people how to stay in contact. Does that? It's social. Yeah, so um, we're very social and we like we are we're very grounded essentially, or at least that's my experience. Like, um, I might not see you in five six years physically, but there's this sense of we are still keeping in contact. Oh, right? no, back culture, you see each other very because there's always a party on the weekends. True, but party. that's true. But even when, when there's no party, party, that... party, when the people get married, there's a party. When there's a graduation, there's a party. So Why do we like party so much in Europe? Well, because culture? if you look at it, that's therapy. It's, a, it's one of the reasons why. Because yeah, therapy. yeah, when you dress up and you're going to a party, you go there, you eat food, you yeah. laugh, and you dance. Yeah, that's yeah. exercise. That the physical activities enough will keep yeah. you going to the next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's communal eating. There's communal cooking. Yeah. All these events that we talk about, right? There's that whole getting together to make things happen, planning, happening every weekend. That's in itself is a stress relief. It's also what keeps the society really happy. And talking grand. about talking about food and. You know, like in the Spanish culture, there's this thing about having plates, menus to share or tapas, which is essentially it's a main dish, but you share with other people. And yeah. it's very prominent in Spain, especially in the southern part of Spain. And it's, as you said, it's free therapy because there's something that makes you connected to the person you have in front of you when yeah. you're yeah. sharing the same dish versus exactly. when you have your plate and I have my plate. Exactly. Like, it brings us together. Like if I was, if I were angry at you and I was really mad mm-hmm. and we go and have lunch and we're sharing the same dish, there's something that brings me closer to you as a result of, the, of that sharing versus you having your plate and me having my plate. And it bonds them. So I'll give yeah. an example. A real life example. My grandfather, right, was polygamous. That's my paternal grandfather was polygamous and had had eight wives. All right, 
Now, yeah, eight wives. So my my dad, uh, yes, my dad and two of his brothers actually were like they were born around the same like five years apart. So they they went to school together and Yeah. came back home together. They were different. In fact, that actually is how he seemed to organize his family. If you were all born around the same period, you will all go to school together and you come back together. But there was one other rule in that house. They had to eat from the same plate. But initially, I thought when my dad used to tell the story, I used to think, oh, maybe they didn't have enough plates. And I realized, no, They didn't have enough plates. they had more than enough plates to go around, but the food must be served in one plate. Yeah. For the three of them to eat, three of them in particular, because my uncle is alive, the other two brothers who were older have passed, right? He says they had to eat from the same plate, not just that. The piece of meat that they will have, it was one intact meat. They will share it <laughs> when Yeah. it came time to eat, you know, the meat. And, and it is only now that I'm much older that I can analyze the mindset of the man that this is how he blended them until date, till the day they passed on, right? Yeah. They were, they were best of friends Yeah. according to how they actually ate together. Hmm. I, oh gosh, I love So, what you're so saying. when, when the I love spouses it. of this men, so these three men I talk about had different mothers, right? Different mothers, the same father in this example, when the spouses of this men came into the family, they could not tell which mother gave back to which child. Child, child. Well, that's a very good thing. And that's a, you're talking about, you're talking about polygamy from a very beneficial perspective. And, I'm you talking know, about somebody who understood how to blend his family. but not all men did that. And that's where I'm going. So, Like, yeah, so some men were reckless and some men did not know how to do it and some men just avoided it completely. There was freedom to choose. Now, remember that even the wife who is in that house or in any yeah. other house where the man doesn't know what he's doing has the choice to leave. Say that again. The What woman, do you mean? the wife, if she's under somebody Yeah. who basically is more uh, more um, destructive than Yeah. destructive, she had the option to leave. Okay. The Well, wife divorce I the don't know. man and go marry somebody else. This is the Ah. thing that you must always remember. There was freedom. There was freedom, but there's also a lot of nuances to this, right? Because I'm very sure that the women who left were women Yes. that were financially independent, right? So we're Yes. also money has Yes. entered the chats. And you can, you can, Financial freedom has entered the chats. yes, always, it was always there. In actual fact, in actual fact, they were financially free. So uh, I still remember the story of the, the trading and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, my, uh, uh, my grandmother, who is your great-grandmother, right? Your Yeah. great-grandmother. Uh, the story was that she wasn't really doing the business initially until she started having a little bit of issues And then basically was like, look, this is the only sister I have. And then they basically gave her a business to start. And that made her financially independent. I think I think in as much as we narrate stories like this, it's also very important to highlight the nuances of how financial independence comes in. Like Mm you're you're talking about the, from a perspective of women who have money. -hmm. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of people that make this, you know, carry on with these practices, they came from poverty. Let's be let's be frank No, are about we talking it. of today's age or in the past?
where oh. it originally came from. Because where it originally came from, people, women had their own businesses. They were the ones yeah. who sold. They were the ones who sold in the market. If you don't have money, I'm sorry to say as a woman, this old hopping up left time, it cannot work. I'm sorry. Well, but, it only but, work but, when it has Our when original has polygamy, the women were empowered to actually be financially independent. In actual fact, lots of times, they ran the home. True. True. They, did. they ran yeah. the home. The man was only as big as his wives were financially independent. True. Well, you're right. I mean, I guess. And I told, I just told you. I said four generations. Don't you know, understand what it means? Four generations. It means that my great grandmother, right, was was doing business. Yeah. So where? How far back do you want to go? I don't know about how mother, but she probably picked it up from somewhere. So that tells me that the women were so powerful, right? Yeah. Oh, that's I'm not yeah. yeah. One thing about Yoruba cultures. Yeah, what they said they were empowered by the fact that they actually had financial muscle. Okay, so when did the, how how did this change? Because I feel like it's the, the system um, that was introduced. But I feel like the women today are not as empowered as our because people. because they brought a confusing system and now it's just all messed up. Hashtag Western shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. Where where else did they have women that did not work that had to, that were not allowed to vote? Yeah, that's had true. To fight for their right because we they... always had the old lodger. Yes. Which other society did they have docile women that that would just take whatever was brought to them because they were not allowed to go out? Where? Yeah. Well, that definitely wasn't the Yoruba culture. So. Backstory for guys listening, and if you're not Nigerian or if you're not African, um, there's a lot of like, you know, perspective regarding that African women don't have as much rights as they do or are supposed to have. But historically, that was not always the case. Like, women actually had much more power than men did. Like, they were the heads of, of town or head of markets, which they used to call Iaoloja. Yep. And they had chieftaincy titles, which means that they belong to the council yeah. that made the laws of that society. They had royal titles. Yeah. They enforced laws like to be passed and how on how women are supposed to be paid. I remember watching this documentary on Netflix that referred to Felakuti's mom or grandmother and how yeah. like she was part yeah. of the movement in order to ensure that women had like I think a shop in the market without being taxed or yeah. even like um going on maternity leave and still receiving their money and this these laws were passed ages ago before the whole hashtag feminist um, movements came into into the chat so feminine movement really was is <laughs> in my when i look at it is the west trying to catch up with what already existed in a in a in a because guess what it, when i look at it there was all what they had to fight for was already built into our own society. Mm -hmm. And the stability of actually still having that family, uh, uh, you know, family organization with hierarchy. Well, so that was the Nigeria back then. As of today, the way the ongoing societal problems, I don't think, I don't think polygamy is beneficial for the today's Nigerian women under mm -hmm. how the system is currently working. Is that because... So would you say that is because um, uh, it's not beneficial? Is that because uh, it's actually going on, but we hide it? Or 
Is it because, you know, uh, it, because it's actually going on? <laughs> in fact, well, in Nigeria, you cannot tell any older woman that, you know, of respect that you're going to leave your husband and they ask you why. And then say it's because he has girlfriends outside. They will look at you like, and no matter how educated, are you crazy? Why would you do that? It's what you will hear. Nobody, very few, not nobody, very few people will say, oh, yeah, they're stupid men. Leave him. No, except somebody that doesn't love you. They'll tell you that, look, calm down. That's, <laughs> that's what they tell you. Why? Because the thing is, somehow, we introduced a system. We did not have any say in that system. It was just slapped upon us and enforced. You know, I'm looking at this also for the, from the perspective of um, conscious and responsible parenting, right? Because... Mm -hmm. Are these men actually responsible for their families? Are they providing for their kids? Are they are they there? And when I mean providing, I don't mean just dropping money on the table. Yeah. I mean just being emotionally like, do these kids grow up having a father figure? Because uh, a lot of times, like so, so many of this dynamic also leads to girls having daddy issues. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you see that that's a big problem in Nigeria. Let's say let's call it spade a spade. Yeah. And that has to do with having absent fathers, you know. Yeah. So. I personally, so, I would the time of polygamy, or we're we talking of now these days, where um, everything, everything's a secret. Well, that's a good question. I would say both because you know I've heard stories from back in the days about absent fathers, but I would say it's also very, it's much more prominent today. Mm -hmm. Because again, when I look at the one, the when I when I think about the polygamy that appears to work. Which is on my, I think I'll say my paternal, uh, uh, my paternal dad's polygamy. When I just look at it, it feel I don't. I I speak to other aunties, you know, they they speak fondly of their interactions with their dad. So that's okay. my that's my that's what I come away with. They speak fondly of their interactions with with their dad. I don't know that they had any uh, issues like that. So again, still drives it to me. For me, it drives it back to the fact that yes, polygamy had problems and it 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 it, it did not solve everything, but um, it kind of seems to have given more results than what the system has imposed now. Because you just look now and it's like, wow, this is this. Looks I don't well, I don't fully agree because there's also this whole thing about siblings dynamic, the whole yes. half-sibling thing. Yes. That's a big issue in so many yes. Nigerian yes. homes. And that's that's the thing. That's where the man... The, that, and that's why I gave you the example of how how somebody blended his family by insisting that they must have... Because that part of that sibling thing, right, starts from the uh, unhappy spouses who basically yeah. poison the minds of their children and give yeah. the impression that Every other person is trying to basically cause them harm. Yeah. So they, they create fear. And so one of the ways when I think of what he did and what makes me really sit back and think, oh my goodness, this man had a lot of depth, is to say the food served in the same plate. So now, <laughs> if anyone, let's assume anyone had the bad mind of doing something terrible, it's going to happen to all kids, all the kids. And it will be right? Their kids will be involved in whatever is going to happen. So, you okay. see how, and I, 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 don't, I don't know all the other things he made them do like that, but I know that he built in that bond that made it just a, a bad idea to, to think that way. 
Now, there are also very many stories. We always have the bad ones, right? Even yeah. in Miami, of the, the one where the siblings became rivals and then basically they were driven against each other and, and things like that, right? So that also exists, right? I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. Those, those are like bad side effects. But what I keep saying is that we should have tried to fix ours rather than abandon it completely and take on another one that is, uh, that, in my opinion, another extreme. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would, I mean, it's in my opinion, it's better to have a polygamous um, dynamic than to have side chicks eating left, right, and center. Which, That's... which more people have than this thing. Which so you might as well come out with the open. This is who it is. This uh, my, this is my family, right? And then basically, when you leave one place, you go to the other place. They know exactly where you are. Yeah. Right? If they need to, if they need to call you back home for an emergency, they know exactly who to reach. Who will also, most of the time, be trying to help out, right? The the the, the positive sides of that is that if you have, if you need babysitting, you, your kids can go to you know their siblings. If you, if people want, they can build a family, and they, if people want, they can tear down a family <laughs> within the monogamist, right? They can tear themselves down in there, right? There's family politics even in monogamy. <laughs> well, true. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you should also have money. Like, if you're a broke nigga, sorry, if you're a broke guy, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. If you're a broke dude, please don't, don't, don't be having, you know, side or full pieces all left, right, and center. Because no, but that, how, of... how how does that happen? Actually, it, it's not. It's very unlikely to happen that you're broke and you want to go with. Some people, are, some people are broke and they're still doing this. Well, so there, there's also the one who takes advantage. There's the guy who takes advantage of the fact that the women have, they actually have resources. In actual, That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. I do know some families where the women actually were much, they, and this, I'm talking of polygamy, yeah, yeah, yeah. where the women had a lot more material resources than the men. In fact, your, your grandmother, no, 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 I was going to say your grandmother's generation, right? The, yeah. The textile, the you know, I said textile, I said four generations. So amongst the people who had shops there, my own grandmother on my my ma by the way, my maternal grandmother yeah. and, and your grandma and your grandma, right, were yeah. actually neighbors. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. They were neighbors, they they had shops right next to each other. It was that relationship that led to your grandma insisting that her brother, her younger brother, should marry this other woman's daughter because she felt the woman was amazing. That's how I came about, right? So, but what about, where I was driving is that the people, the women in that market were mostly, most of them, not all, were mostly, uh, they had more resources than the men that they, they actually were with. Long story short, you're looking forward to polygamy um, coming back into, no, into I'm the not, system? I'm looking forward to us being able to accept what was ours to take a look at it with the with the thought of changing what's not working rather than dumping it to become somebody else that's what i would like to see true well i also feel like men back then and now are quite different but let's this I, why did this conversation become all about guys if you if you guys are listening and you want to hear more about this let us know it was yes. not the intent to make it about polygamy versus money uh, polyandry versus monogamy but hey things come out and we talk about it yeah. and um this 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 is long and yeah. um hope you guys enjoyed hope you learned something 
Um, if you have questions, comments, follow us on Instagram, Thoughts by Busola. And um, if you, yeah, and hope you enjoy and have a lovely start of the year and take care of yourself. Bye.